okay, what are, well, what are we supposed to do and what are, what are you going to do? What are we supposed to do? And what I would say you have to understand the, the, the totality of the big picture, the, the tapestry of all of this information as it pertains to what's going on in the world and how it affects our lives on a day-to-day basis and then put it into a format that can be readily understood by other individuals and then share that information with whoever will accept any part of it. That's what there is to do. That's what there is to do. Weave these words with rhymes like twine. I'm standing still as I travel through time and I feel no pain as I stretch my brain and it's hard to say when I try to explain when I try to explain when I try to explain This is Chris Jansen. Welcome to the End Evil Podcast. The End Evil Podcast is dedicated to the book, The End of All Evil, by Jeremy Locke. This podcast is also inspired by the work of Mark Passio and what is what on earth is happening.com. This week, we've been discussing uh, the book, The End of All Evil. This week, we're on to chapter three. Continuing a reading of the book, so you can follow along and read the words, and I'll read the audio for you. My hope is to put this audio reading together into one uh, downloadable book that anybody can download and listen to and watch at the same time. I myself enjoy reading books through audio by listening to them. It works much better for me, and since this book is so hard to find in real form, I think it's being sold on Amazon for over a thousand dollars. You know, I thought this would be a great way to expose more people to a book that's about ending evil, which is what we should all be working on in these days where evil has become such a prevalent force. What is evil? Evil is the destruction of freedom. If you love freedom, if you search diligently for truth, then this is a good show for you. Together, We can employ our imagination and our creativity in order to work towards a world without evil. The first thing that needs to go is the religion of authority. So join me and study this book, The End of All Evil, and become an activist in your own right. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find a Contact Chris tab on endevil.life, the website where I've been putting all this work Check out endevil.life for other podcasts and interviews and information. Today we're streaming live on Twitch and on the OneGreatWorkNetwork.com. Thanks for coming. I'm going to, before I begin the reading today on Chapter 3 of The End of All Evil, I'd like to talk just for a couple minutes about the word culture. Because... uh, Jeremy Locke has sort of an interesting take on culture that I've never seen anywhere else. So I looked up the word culture on the online dictionary, and it says there that culture is a term that refers to a large and diverse set 
of mostly intangible aspects of social life. According to sociologists, culture consists of the values, beliefs, systems of language, communication, and practices that people share in common and that can be used to define them as a collective. And then when you look into the etymology or derivation of that word, this is from etymonline.com. Mid-15th century, the tilling of land, act of preparing the earth for crops. From Latin, cultura, a cultivating agriculture. Figuratively, care, culture, and honoring. From the past participle stem of colere, to tend, guard, to till, cultivate, see colony. Meaning the cultivation or rearing of a crop, the act of promoting growth in plants. The product of such a culture. So what really took me aback as I began studying this book, Jeremy Locke's book, is He's really hard on culture. He comes down on culture in a very negative way and explains that culture is evil. Culture and authority work together in an evil way. So I think it's important to kind of rethink maybe the way we look at that word and how it's used. I really struggled with this because I've often thought of culture in a positive connotation myself. You know, um, the music, the arts, the thing that make each particular different um, ethnicity group special. You know, they have their, each ethnicity group have their own special ways of cooking or, or manners of dress. And I always thought of these as cultural elements are good things. And I don't think those things are necessarily bad at all. However, when we look at the way that Jeremy Locke is using this word, I think it's closer to what we see in the definition here when it's talking about collective the collective uh, group, what does he call it? Um, culture consists of the values, beliefs, systems of language, communication, and practices that people share in common that can be used to define them as a collective. So I think what we're getting at here is allowing ourselves to be defined as a collective isn't a good thing from Jeremy Locke's point of view. And it allows for authority to corral people and enslave them. Also, when we look at the derivation, the word culture means to grow, to cultivate, almost like plants. And when you consider the point of view is that we as humans are not free and have not been free through, through history, we see that what's been grown, almost like um, scientists in a Petri dish, is a, a system, a culture of slavery, a society that is used to being enslaved and all of its practices and manners of doing everything are embedded in this overall overreaching way of being that includes being slaves and obeying authority. So this is just to give you some insight that you're going to have a little bit of shock as you look at the way Jeremy Locke uses the word culture. And so I, I brought this up ahead of time to give you a method to think about that a little differently because this was a struggle for me myself as I re began reading this book. And maybe everything Jeremy Locke says isn't perfectly correct. However, I found him to be pretty dead on on almost all subjects. And I really like the way he puts things together in this book because it's so simple and to the point 
and it gets to the root of the problems. And so when we look at culture with this eye of suspicion, it makes a lot of sense the way he puts things in the book. So with without further ado, let's move on to uh, chapter 3, Authority. Authority. You were born to this world with sovereignty over your mind and over your life. Your abilities to think, to feel, to learn, and to love are your liberty. In you, these capacities are infinite. You have infinite worth. Evil seeks to destroy your liberty. It seeks to be an authority over you. It does not want you to have liberty. Evil seeks to destroy you so that it can use you as a puppet. The implementation of evil is called authority. Authorities are what evil implements as it exercises control over the lives of people. Authority limits your ability to learn, to think, to feel, to love, and to grow. This is why authority is evil. Authorities are not accidents. They are specifically created by intelligent people to control you. There are two tools that evil makes use of in order to accomplish this. With tools, destroy freedom. They are culture and violence. Each of these tools of authority have weapons which are used to attack your liberty. The weapons of violence are theft, imprisonment, torture, rape, and death. The weapons of culture are law and the control of speech. Evil is implemented by force in the lives of people. Evil wants you to obey its authority. It uses the weapons of violence on everyone who will not obey. It uses the weapons of culture to sustain whatever obedience it manages to achieve. Violence. Your physical body allows you to exercise principles over every aspect of reality. With it, you have the tools necessary to interact with the physical world. Physicality greatly enables you. It is a gift of pure freedom. People obey authority when they are subjected to violence. Violence threatens your physical body. It threatens your interaction with the physical world. People who are subjected to violence are compelled to obey because they want to protect the freedom that their bodies bring to them. Pain and mutilation limit your ability to interact with your world. Death destroys your freedom completely. The lie of tyranny is that you will maintain the freedom of life by obeying authority. The choices it offers you are a lifetime of obedience or death. Evil is the master of deceit. The objective of evil is not violence, but obedience. The purpose of violence is to compel obedience. Its design is the destruction of freedom. Whether submitting to authority and obeying or allowing it to destroy you physically, you will have lost your freedom. 
The only way to maintain freedom is to fight tyranny at all times and at all costs. Perspective. The cultures of each offer their people different moralities. Perverted definitions of good and evil are found everywhere on the planet. In one culture, a thing is proper. In another, it is taboo. In one culture, a word is egregious. In another, it is not. Criminal acts are defined entirely differently in opposing cultures. When an authority is established amongst people, evil is either obvious to see or nearly impossible to see, depending entirely upon whether or not you are part of its culture. Even though few people are able to recognize the oppression found in their own cultures, culture is still oppression. Most people question in in horror how an average German soldier could himself participate in the murder of Jews. Most people question in horror how millions of average people under the umbrella of communism could bring their brothers certain death at the hands of police. The examples in history are more than plentiful. They exist in every culture ever designed. Culture maintains a death grip upon the nature of man. It is not true that history's villains misused authority. The truth is that they followed the object and design of authority perfectly. Tyranny is always disguised as culture and law. Authority Principle The authority principle describes the behavior of people who live under the rule of law. The authority principle shows that people obey anything and anyone that they believe is an authority. Though the who, the why, and the what have changed in history, the behavior of people is the same. They obey. When people are taught that obedience is principle, they obey. When they are taught that the source of worth and knowledge is found in another person, rather than in themselves, they obey. This is the rule of law, and it teaches people that their will is subjective to the will of law and those who control the law. Examples of authorities are governments, bullies, mafias, thieves, and kings. People obey authority in their lives either out of fear of violence or because culture conditions them to accept obedience as proper and good. Authorities always use both tools. The most successful authorities do not have to use violence as often because of the strength of their cultures. Both culture and violence enforce authority. Under authority, people have obeyed law to the atrocities of history. The murders, raping, and looting under chieftains, kings, emperors, communism, and Nazis were not perpetuated by small groups of men. They were performed by thousands and even millions of peoples. These people would not have committed such egregious evils on their own. 
If a random person had commanded them, they would have refused. So why, at the behest of a perceived authority, do they obey? Obedience to authority is the authority principle. People will obey authority no matter what is asked of them. They obey because they have been lied to. They have been falsely taught that principle is found in law. In history, it is difficult to imagine why some cultures are so much more violently depraved than others. Authority is the reason. Cultures with the least influential authority are the most peaceful, and by definition, the most free. Cultures with the most influential authorities are the most violent, and by definition, slaves. Any time you are compelled to act in obedience to authority, you are being influenced by this principle. Evil uses the authority principle to condition people to obey without questioning what, why, or whom they are obeying. Destroying your identity to gain power over you is the modus operandi of evil. Pattern of Tyranny Tyranny is disguised as culture and law. Everything that evil seeks is the destruction of freedom, to destroy the value of people. The pattern of tyranny is simple. The object is to enslave the minds of a people by creating a culture of obedience. To gain the obedience of people, there is a process that must be taken. This process is the pattern of tyranny. War. Before an authority can be established, war must take place. War is the implementation of violence. It is the tool that evil uses to establish authority. All of history's wars have occurred because of a desire to implement a new authority over people. On the smallest scale, this occurs via a process of threat and acquiescence. Such is the behavior of bullies, thugs, and mafias. On the largest scale, it occurs in violent multi-year battles, such as the behavior of nations and empires. Enemies In order to offer people an escape from violence, new authorities teach people that obedience will end war. The design of authority is obedience. Authorities condition people to obedience by promising to protect them from dangerous enemies. Theocracies have been used the enemy of blasphemy. The Nazis used the Jews. Communists used the rich. Many, many enemies have been created, but by far the most common is anarchy. Protection In order to engineer a culture and pervert the free thinking of men, evil must create an enemy. It is not important to tyrants who the enemy is. Tyrants offer protection from these enemies in exchange for obedience. Take careful note that they offer protection, but obedience is mandatory. Whether or not you wish to have the authority over you, you will obey or they will revert to violence. The enemies are only created to ease the burden of obedience from the minds of people. 
Cultural enemies are an illusion. Benjamin Franklin taught that those who give up liberty to gain security will soon have neither. This is not an idle observation. The pattern of tyranny clearly shows that the entire purpose of presenting you with the need for security is to convince you to yield your liberty. That is everything authority wants. The demand for security is raised by those who seek power over you. This is how they create enemies. Make no mistake. It isn't the enemy that tyrants are after. They are after you. The illusion of cultural enemies is designed to restrict the thinking of people. It is designed to convince people that the real enemy is not the evil that rolls over them, but some imaginary demon that would do them harm. This is the lie of tyranny. It requires your obedience in order to save you. Tyranny is disguised as culture and law. Social proof. As people begin to submit, under the duress of violence, to the will of a new authority, a principle known as social proof enters culture. The more people that obey the new authority, the more likely it is that others will follow. The normalcy of obedience becomes a part of everyday life. It is natural to want to escape the violence of authority. People who live under the oppression of nations or thugs will inevitably accept the offer of obedience. A mugger will offer not to shoot if a wallet is surrendered. Rapists offer not to kill if virtue is surrendered. Mafias offer not to torture if payment is made. Governments offer not to obliterate life if laws are obeyed. The offer is sweetened with the illusion of enemies. When a person faces certain pain or death on one hand, or protection from an enemy on the other, the will to remain free will eventually break down. Law. Laws are decreed and written to legitimize obedience. Law impersonates principle. People are taught that what is law is right. They are not taught to do what is right, but to obey what is law. The legitimacy of law is the object of culture. Culture uses law to distort the minds of people into believing they are incapable of seeking truth or living in peace. It teaches that law is legitimate instead of one's own mind. Control of speech. The most fundamental weapon of culture is the control of speech. While history has shown violent examples of this weapon, it exists in every culture as the code of propriety. The objective of the control of speech is making sure that those who were compelled to bend to the will of authority never gain the courage to look back. In order to maintain obedience, culture demands that everyone it enslaves enforce its will upon those around them. 
It teaches people to call their recalcitrant neighbors weird or insane. It demands that every person turn on those who fail to obey the precepts of culture. Culture condemns as immoral and antisocial all those who fail to obey its precepts. In this way, culture shapes people's minds by restricting their speech. Further, culture endows its evangelists with adjectives such as noble and upstanding. Those who most closely follow the rules of culture, especially in condemning enemies, are rewarded for inflicting stigma upon those less willing to obey. It is this devaluation of the human spirit that proves the evil of cultural norms. Those who exhibit recalcitrance or suggest rebellion against authority are ostracized, berated, and demonized. It is hard to endure the loneliness associated with fitting outside of popular culture. This is how the control of speech is a weapon designed to break the spirit of man. It is a weapon designed to compel you to obedience. Once the people under a culture begin to enforce the control of speech upon each other, authority has been established. It now rules the very people who enforce its power. This is the design of culture. And authority can now do with it with you as it pleases. Enforcement There are times when authority must revert to violence in order to maintain obedience. There will always be a small minority who refuse to obey the tenets of cultural law. Because of this, authorities employ a constant stream of violence known as law enforcement or police. These are not police in the defense of liberty, but police in the defense of authority. Cultures always teach that liberty and authority are one and the same. But the design of police is to wield the weapons of violence in the preservation of authority, not to defend liberty. Authority must also employ violence when cultures break down. Throughout history, people have slowly and steadily learned more and more about their own worth and hence demanded more and more freedom. Different cultures have fallen as people realized that culture is a lie. When cultures begin to break down, it is because people are learning about their value. Such cultures and the authorities they protect are doomed. Never once in history has a culture in decline been redeemed. When authorities see that their culture is being dismantled and obedience is no longer theirs to enjoy, they return to violence. These returns to violence are historically extremely brutal. The violent enforcement of law is a sign of coming liberty. Example Take a look at a generic historical example of the pattern of tyranny. A rogue thug gathers together a band of men to extort money from the people nearby where he lives. In his success, he plunders massive amounts of money 
and grows his gang into an army. He successfully kills the previous officers of law and enforcement or subverts them through stealth, knowing that he can plunder more value in the long term if he leaves his victims alive, he implements attacks upon everyone in his range of influence. He draws borders. He gives decrees. Importantly, he promises his victims that he will protect them from all other thugs. His victims slowly become accustomed to his will and his lies. The people become afraid if they hear their neighbors talk of escaping the taxes and cruelty. Soon, they actively support the regime by targeting all treasonous speech and turning in deviants to police. Originally called criminal, the thug is now called authority. He is called law and order. This example could have easily described any gang of barbarians from the Middle Ages or from ancient history. It could apply to any king or emperor of years past. It could have described any warlord of today or any mafia. In fact, it closely resembles every authority that has ever been established. Once people are conditioned to accept the notion of authority, they normally obey without thinking. The object of law is obedience, and the destruction of freedom is found in the blindness of this obedience. The authority principle shows that even when a person would normally believe an action to be wrong, if ordered by an authority, they will still perform it. The establishment and exercise of authority over people is called the pattern of tyranny. In history, it is easy to follow this pattern throughout history. Adolf Hitler created an enemy in the Jews. Early on, German culture was manipulated, and the Jews were condemned as dirty and greedy, a people odd because they keep to their own kind. Soon, the culture was in place where people were chastised for defending Jews. People who demonized them were championed. Speech was then controlled. Next, Adolf Hitler made Jews into the full-fledged enemy. The Jews became responsible for all social and economic ills. The solution was to put Adolf Hitler in power, to yield German liberties to him so that he could save them from the enemy. Make no mistake, Hitler was not after the Jews. He was after the Germans. An evil man, he was simply willing to sacrifice millions of Jews to obtain power. Do not make the mistake of thinking Hitler was a racist. Follow the pattern. In short order, he ruled the entire nation and forced all Germans to serve him and his army. His true ambition was not racism, but total world domination. Socialism and communism create the enemy of greed in the same pattern by controlling speech. Profit becomes a dirty word, even though it only means that you have labored to create a better life. Money becomes evil, even though it simply represents your work, 
which is obviously moral. They create the enemy, but it is not greed they are after, it is you. If they can convince you that your money and your labors are the enemy, then you will yield these labors and your money to them. Authority is not designed to destroy the enemy. It is designed to enslave you. Democracies create the enemy of anarchy in the same pattern by controlling speech. It becomes immoral to suggest that no one could break the law. It does not matter which law or what it says. Nobility is placed on the payment of taxes, no matter how much the demand of you. It is the highest form of cultural propriety to obey the law, regardless of what it says. The enemy is the fictional anarchy, wherein no individual is safe, because everyone is a tyrant. In order to save you from anarchy, you yield authority to the law, you obey. Evil is not after the destruction of anarchy, it is after you. If you can see the tyranny in a culture that demands that you obey, no matter what is asked of you and no matter who writes the laws, then you are beginning to understand the nature of evil. Everything that evil teaches you that you have limited worth. Rule of Law The rule of law is the single most dangerous idea ever inflicted upon mankind. It has gone by countless names throughout the ages of history. In more basic tribes, it is known as respect for elders. In the tyranny of royalty, it is known as nobility, birthright, and divinity. In communism, it is known as the supremacy of the state. In dictatorships, it is known as the antidote to anarchy. In theocracies, it is known as a revelation. The net teaching of this idea is that you are to obey the law, not because of its merits or its morality. You are to obey only because it is the law. It is assumed that even if the law is wrong, then it is right to follow because it supports the system, and the system is more important than you. In order for an intelligent person to choose what is right, they must know who is asking obedience of them. They must consider why it is being asked and what it is they are being asked to do. Only then can they decide for themselves if it is right. This is not what authority wants. Authority is not concerned with you doing what is right. It is only concerned with obedience. Culture teaches that the nature of law and what it asks you to do are irrelevant. Culture teaches that obedience is propriety. Culture teaches that when law is created, it becomes morality. Law is a weapon. It is used by evil to attack its prey. Whether in the name of duty to king, loyalty to state, or rule of law, law is the weapon used to extort and control. Culture upholds the nobility of law. Culture teaches that law is proper and good. <coughs> it 
It never questions who wrote the law. Tyrant and brother are the same. Culture never questions whether or not the law is right. You are to obey no matter what it says. In this fashion, law is a powerful weapon to be used against you. All principalities create volumes of laws that take lifetimes to understand and armies of lawyers to manipulate. All of these things are weapons in the hands of the powerful, which they will use at your expense. Law holds value only to those who create it, and only because your culture demands that you obey it. The purest invitation to tyranny is your commitment to obey law, regardless of what it says. Against you, the law becomes the perfect weapon. Whomever controls the law controls you. Your worth is measured by the extent of your obedience. So that's the end of chapter 3. Next week we'll move on to next chapter, chapter 4, and continue the reading of the book, The End of All Evil, by Jeremy Locke. So we have a little time left in between now and the the hour. I will um, spend a little time discussing some thoughts I had while reading chapter 3, um, starting off with the idea of culture. When we looked at the idea of culture, many of us have thought of this term, as something to describe some of the positive aspects of society. But when we look at this way that Jeremy Locke describes culture as a tool of evil combined with law, we can see that what he's talking about reminds me very much of peer pressure. When we see, for instance, school, where there's a culture of obedience where there's these teachers and principals who are going to tell you what to do and enforce these rules. And the culture is to go along with these rules. In many ways, even within that culture, there might be children who decide to play on the other side of the border of the playground or bring some sugary candy they're not really allowed to bring, but all the time knowing that they're breaking the law. And uh, even... For people who break the law and try to find ways to get around the law, you're still operating within the umbrella of the idea that laws are virtuous and that laws are good. When what Jeremy Locke is pointing out, that laws themselves are not moral. Laws are the way of people making up something and saying it's moral when it's truly not. There was a slide that caught my attention. I'm going to try to click through here and see if I can find the one I'm looking for for a minute here. That discusses the control of speech. And here, this is something that we're dealing with today in our world. The control of speech as a, as a tool of evil. Because if people are allowed to communicate and discuss things with one another and go back and forth, 
they can find themselves getting closer and close to actual truth. Whereas when people are just following rules or laws that have been mandated or set down by authorities, there's really not much discussion. The only understanding is the culture of obedience that we must follow this rule or else violence will come upon us. Some type of violence. And in our society, that translates to sometimes even subtle things like not being able to get on an airplane or not being able to cross the state line, not being able to buy something in a store because you haven't followed the rule or the law. Oftentimes, it's completely ignored what the reason why you aren't able to follow the law is. Sometimes it could be something perfectly moral. However, because the law is in place and because we have a culture of accepting laws as being something valid from the get-go, people will be put in all kinds of awkward situations and their physical travel or their physical body can be used in evil ways. They can be put in jail. They can be locked up over something that was um, a paperwork error or a misunderstanding. So this is part of the game of evil is to put people in a situation where they're completely believing and accepting something to be true that, that was never true from the beginning. And that is law, man's law. Man's law is always arbitrary. We can look at, in our country, some of the silly ways that man's law has been flipped back and forth. We went from prohibition of alcohol to alcohol being legal. And then you drive through certain states where it's only legal to buy alcohol on certain hours. It's like um, there's no trust in people to figure out what's right for them in the moment. When some mommy or daddy authority has to set a rule that says, if you don't do things our way, then we're going to punish you in this way. We're going to take away your money. We're going to put you in a prison cell. Or we're going to prohibit you from being able to do things. And then we look at laws around something like cannabis, a plant that grows out of the ground that people can use for various ailments, or this plant could be used for so many things in the world, paper, rope, making baskets. It just goes on and on. Anything that we use thread for, we could use hemp rope for. And yet, because someone chose along somewhere along the line to make this law that this plant is illegal to buy or sell or trade, for years people were locked up in prisons, uh, beaten, kidnapped for just having this plant on them. And then now we find many states finally coming around to realizing this plant's not all that dangerous. All the studies we've done, all it seems to do is make people feel a little bit better. So doesn't that show how silly law was all around to be making these judgments across the board, unilaterally prohibiting people from using something that's not hurting themselves or others? It should be obvious. What we should be rebelling against is the idea of law, the very idea of law. Yet people get caught in all the little small details whatever's on the particular news at the time. And that's a really interesting aspect of what's been going on in our world in the last year to year and a half. Using 
the tool of fear. Lawmakers, authority, authoritarians have managed to convince people that they need to live in a state of fear. And this, this, you know, I can remember about the time of September 11th when we saw people reacting to this whole idea of terrorists that wanted to take over our world. Terrorists that we need to worry about and to be concerned with. People were driving around everywhere after the 9-11 attacks with stickers of flags on their car as if to let other people around them know that they really care about this country and and they don't believe in... um, They want to kill the terrorists too. People were saying things like, we should bomb all those... We should bomb those people in the other country and get rid of them. Why would people think this way? Because they're being convinced by authority that they need to fear this outside force, this sneaky outside force. So all it does is bolster the authority's power because people, as they become fearful, they tend to give up their responsibilities and trust that the government's going to take care of it for them. So when the government says, oh, we need more rules because of these terrorists, people blindly go along with that. And that rule might even be Limiting your freedom, your personal freedom. You can't have such and such type of weapon because you never know. The terrorists might be able to get a hold of those weapons. When you're an honest person who's working hard and you earn the money to buy your weapon for self-defense and now you can't buy it because maybe there's a terrorist who might have bought one, it's really backwards logic when you actually think about it in a day-to-day, person-to-person, individual basis. But it all makes sense from a vast sort of corporate view of the world that we need to make rules to keep all these people in line. Otherwise, things are going to go crazy and we're going to have chaos. Well, chaos is actually what we're achieving through this process of obedience to authority. We're more and more heading towards in my mind, the future of what we saw in The Matrix, the movie The Matrix, where people are completely disconnected from nature and they're being used by this AI authority in that movie, some kind of artificial intelligence that owns all people and keeps them locked up in a place where their uh, basic needs, their most basic needs are barely met and they're just being used like batteries or fuel to keep the the overall big machine running. And this is a good allegory and example for what we're actually experiencing on this planet. And one of the things that maintains this system of obedience is culture. As hard as it is to recognize, culture actually made up of, in a lot of ways, our ways of dealing with slavery. You know, it reminds me of times in history where people have had so much uh, authoritarian rules put on them that they couldn't even do basic things. What's coming to mind right now is uh, the, the martial art of capoeira, which was made up of 
people doing a dance to hide the fact that they were actually practicing how to defend themselves. So the authority at that time was so overreaching, overbearing, that people were not even allowed how to practice to know how to defend themselves. So they had to learn how to do it secretly in a dance. Which goes to show that freedom will always find a way to fight. However, how bad do we want it to get? Here in this country where I live, United States of America, people are still allowed to own weapons. However, most other countries of the world, authorities and the power of authority has completely eliminated an individual's right to own most types of weapons that might actually make a difference. So things have been degraded in most parts of the world and continue to get worse now at a quickening rate where we see since the time of the COVID madness, now people aren't allowed to leave their houses because they might get sick. See, the new fear, the new terrorist is the illness. See, this is just like we were talking about before when authority uses fear of some unknown outside force to keep people in line, to keep them subdued, to keep them trusting the power of authority. So now with people completely afraid and fearful of an illness that they might have or or get, they're willing to bow down to more rules by authority, more laws. None of these laws are based in nature. None of these laws are based in morality. They're just based on arbitrary people in positions of authority who've decided to lay down the law. And they work together with each other in concert, bringing about these laws at certain times when people are at their most fearful. And much of this fear is spread through propaganda and through the news. And what do we have in our world? We have a culture of entertainment where people love to be entertained. They need it. Every day they come home and turn on their TVs, settle in on their couch, and absorb the madness through the propaganda machine. So the news, propaganda, marches forward spreading fear night after night. And that fear gets into people's heads. Repetition does work. Over time, when you hear something over and over and over, it begins to get in your head. And when you close your eyes, the repetition keeps going. So people have been basically hypnotized into being fearful of things that really are not a day-to-day concern in their life. Terrorists are very similar to COVID. Not really a realistic concern for most of us. For most of us in our day-to-day lives, a realistic concern is eating too much sugar or getting hit by a car when you're driving. These are more realistic fears, things that um, have a high statistical possibility of happening. Getting cancer, getting heart disease, these are things that are pretty common and likely for the average person to face. These are things that we could work on avoiding and we could build um, a better society 
that was concentrated on safety around driving, for instance, that was concentrated around safety on health issues and encouraging people and explaining to people why it's important to eat organic foods and why you shouldn't eat anything that has just uh, disgusting ingredients in it, like Red Lake 60 or whatever it is they've come up with in these labs. Why are these people trusted? Because we have a culture where we do what other people's doing. It's kind of like a peer pressure type of thing. We look around and say, all these people are doing it. It must not be that bad. And authority knows this. Evil understands this. Dynamic. The people are easy prey. I often wonder, what is it in history that created in our psyche this this willingness to obey and to do what we're told and to follow blindly? And I think it has to do with things that happen in ancient origins of humankind. And I think it happens to be bad habits that have been developed over the years through culture, a culture of obedience. Is it possible to have a culture of disobedience? I'm not sure. But that's what I would like to encourage. And that's what I would like you to share with your family and friends, is what if we managed as humans to start fighting for individual rights? What if we fought for natural law? Um, I never was able to talk and find the right slide I was looking for at the same time. So instead, I'm just going to move on to the, one of the most important slides. I shared this last week as well. And this is natural law as defined by Mark Passio. The solution to all the problems humanity faces is right before us. This power is in each of us to change the world. I'd like to encourage and inspire others, as I've been inspired, to take action, to move like an arrow towards a purpose or goal. How many times must you practice your craft until you get good at it? Like someone who shoots an arrow, it takes many, many shots before you can hit the bullseye. So we must practice understanding natural law. What is it? It takes discussion. It takes thinking about it. There's no end to the possibilities of what humans can accomplish. Think of the Olympics. Records have been broken every year. There's never been a year where humans have not pushed further and done something faster or jumped higher than the year before. It's really... um, There's really no end to what the potential of humans is. So we have great possibility in the future to do more than we're doing now. So what is natural law? A set of universal, inherent, objective, non-man-made, eternal, and immutable conditions which govern the consequences of behaviors of beings with the capacity for understanding the difference between harmful and non-harmful behavior. And that's that's pretty much it, folks. We just really want to start changing the way we look at things. Is something somebody's doing harming you? Or is something you're doing harming others? 
that's really what makes a difference between right and wrong, and it's that simple. If you look up in a dictionary, moral relativism, uh, something that you'll bump into pretty quickly that Jeremy Locke talked about in Chapter 3 is cultural relativism. And this is what many people use as a justification for um, breaking away from natural law, that people in different countries do things differently. Therefore, it must okay be okay to have different morals in different places because we all do things differently. But harm is the same in every place, in every country, in every part of the world. It's really simple to define. It's stealing. When you take something from someone else that's not yours, and you harm them. It's that simple. And that's what we need to be talking about. And that's the only core principle that's really going to ultimately change the dynamics of the way things are going in time right now, is for people to grab onto, latch onto, and create a new culture of obeying natural law, not harming others, and treating other people the way you want to be treated, and understanding that all things matter, all the things we do in this lifetime are important. And I think it's important to add to that that we all have a reason for being here, and it's important to discover what that reason is, and that's looking inside yourself. That's the shadow work, discovering why you're here and what motivates you and what makes you feel good as an individual. And that has nothing to do with following laws and everything to do with following your heart and doing what's right. And that's going to put you in some awkward situations. But if we do it together, it could be very simple. So reach out to me. You can find my contact information on endevil.life on the Contact Chris tab. (laughs) 